Well, today is World Communion Sunday. It's a day in which Christians all over the world will be celebrating a sacrament that is special in so many different ways. Jesus Christ, who gave his life on the cross, gives us this sacrament to remind us of that action every time we choose to share in this. But today, Christians everywhere will be enjoying this sacrament and celebrating a unity that's made possible only through Jesus Christ. But there's so many layers of meaning, and today I want us to think about what it means to consider what Jesus tries to do when so many times in his ministry he broke bread. And we discover that that meaning can be discovered by rehearsing and reliving the many different ways that he broke bread with our ancestors in the faith. And, and let me begin by, by starting with a story that we often only use right after Easter. You've heard of that road to Emmaus story, right? Where Jesus has already died, he's been crucified, he's resurrected, he's appeared once to the disciples in the upper room already. But then, for some reason, without explanation, the disciples are leaving Jerusalem on their way to the village of Emmaus, about seven miles north and west of Jerusalem. And while they're walking, a stranger appears to them, which happens to be Jesus, but for some reason, they don't recognize him. And they're sharing, they're pouring their hearts out about the loss of their leader. And Jesus is speaking to them. They see him, but they don't recognize him. And then it goes on to explain, they finally did recognize him. And let me quote the scripture to get it right. Jesus took his seat at the table with them. He took the bread blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and then he disappeared. It's an intriguing story. Clyde Tilly puts it this way, more articulate than the words he has spoken was his breaking of the bread. And then Clyde Tilly goes on to explain that maybe it's not so strange when you think of the many different ways that Jesus broke bread and what it did as it transformed lives, as it changed the world, and as it give, has given to us something to remember his great act on our behalf. And so stop and think about the many different things that occurred. Think about how Jesus got himself in trouble with his dietary customs because he chose to eat with sinners and tax collectors. Even though he didn't break any laws, there was nothing in the Torah about what he was doing, but he was breaking the taboos of their time, and they gave, made him guilty by association. Or remember how he defied their understanding of the Torah law when one day, as they're traveling through some fields and he's hungry, and he picks a little bit of grain from the wheat that's right there, but it happens to be on the Sabbath. And they acknowledge that very quickly, decide that he is a Torah breaker of the fifth commandment, which means we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. He also went against the common practices of his day. Pharisees typically fasted twice a week and extra when there was festivals that came around. But for some reason, Jesus did not make fasting a part of his ministry. He was known for his desire to feast. Matter of fact, he even got the reputation, according to the Pharisees, of being a glutton. Jesus enjoyed a good meal so much 
that on a day that he's been teaching the crowd that's numbered in the thousands. And when the day is finished and he sees the crowd is hungry, he tells his disciples to feed them. And they look at the crowd and they look at what they have in their hands, two fish and five loaves. And they say, well, Jesus, how are we supposed to do this? And Jesus takes matters in his own hands. And it says that he broke the bread and he blessed it. And somehow, don't ask me to explain, he was able to feed that entire crowd and they had left over 12 baskets of loaves and fish. And then Jesus also took this sacrament, took the Passover meal and turned it into a way to remember what he's done for his disciples and also for us. And Clyde Tilley points out that maybe it's not so mysterious that Jesus was recognized not by his words, but by the breaking of bread. Well, I'd suggest to you today that Jesus is known in the breaking of bread, not just when we happen to share it on Sunday mornings, but he's known also in the sharing of bread with ever who is hungry in the world. In addition, the scripture suggests that Jesus is recognized in the hungry of the world and that we can see him with the need that's presented before us. 1 John 3.17 says to us, but if someone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but refuses to help, how can the love of God dwell in a person like that? And then just a little bit ago, Pastor Aaron read, imagine a brother or sister who is naked and never has enough food to eat. What if one of you said, go in peace and just give them words but not give them what their body needs. As Paul explains, we are now the body of Christ. We are his hands, his feet. You probably heard the words of Annie Johnson Flint or some version of it who says, God has no hands but our hands to do God's work today. God has no feet but our feet to take God on the way. We are the continuing agents of the Lord's ministry. And that's been lived out in the early church second chapter of Acts describes the food that is distributed and shared as they had all things in common. We are also told about the Apostle Paul, who throughout the churches in the Gentile areas, he collected those who had enough in order to send back a collection for those in Judea, the mother church in Jerusalem, because of the famine they experienced, because of the persecution that was a part of their life. And it says, in his words, that there may be equality. Now, have I told you anything you don't already know? It's in your Bible. You can read it any day of the week, right? It's there, plain and black and white. The breaking of bread is important to Jesus. It was important to his ministry. It was important to the early church. And we find in the sharing of bread with others, when the hungry come across our path, we discover Christ in real and concrete ways. And if that is the case, then why is it that we still in our world have 795 million people that don't have enough food, don't have enough food to lead a healthy life? That's one in nine people on this earth. Poor nutrition causes nearly half of all deaths in children under the age of five. That's 3.1 million children that die every year because they don't have enough food. One in four of the world's children are stunted 
because of poor nutrition. And in developing countries, it's one of three. And here's the statistic I find really intriguing. You think how easy it would be to change this. If women farmers had the same access to resources as men, the number of hunger in the world would be reduced by up to 150 million people. Just letting women be empowered. It only take 3.2 billion US dollars each year to reach the 66 million hungry school-aged children. And our budget in the United States in 2019 is 4.4 trillion. It's a small portion of that budget. So you see, many people assume that we don't feed the hungry people in the world because there's not enough food. That is wrong. Scientists tell us we produce more than enough people. As a matter of fact, the United States, the United Nations estimates that the world wastes 2.9 trillion pounds of food each year, which is enough to feed the malnourished in our world twice over. That's one-third of the world's food production that is wasted every year. Let me go on to get more local. John Elliott, who's a member of our congregation, not here today, but usually right over there, is the CEO of Gleaners Food Bank. And at our Teeter Farm to Table dinner last month, he shared these statistics about our central Indiana area. Realize that nearly half of our hungry in this area are children or senior citizens. One in five is a veteran or a active duty military. 29% of households include grandparents raising grandchildren. And this is something I've experienced when I worked in our food pantry in previous churches. Two-thirds or more work a job or maybe even two jobs but still are underemployed to put food on the table for their families. And here's the challenge. When we have food insecurity, it creates more costs for all of us. 44% of those who come to food pantries have higher health care costs because they don't have the proper nutrition and we all pay for that through our insurance rates. Food insecurity limits children's performance in school today. It limits their brain development. It impacts their physical, intellectual, and cognitive growth over their entire lifetime. So we create problems that continue to be problems. And here in Hamilton County, we have one of the lowest poverty rates in the state, 5.1%, but still we have a very large population. So that translates to 26,760 food insecure persons, of which 10,260 are children. And John asked the question that night, in a county this prosperous, is it acceptable that we have over 10,000 hungry children in our midst? And all that's despite a very strong U.S. economy that still threatens there's still people threatening to reduce the kind of help the government provides, which represents 83% of all meals that are provided to hungry people in central Indiana. So I hope you hear a couple things there. One is that hunger is a cyclical issue that just continues to reinforce itself. When you have hungry children, it impacts their brain development. When that is impacted, it affects their educational performance. When that is impacted, it means they have less economic opportunity. And that in turn creates more dependency on government and the private sector. And it creates a whole other generation where that cycle just keeps going over and over. 
So solving hunger solves a lot of the other problems. And I hope that you heard that we produce enough food. We have plenty of food in this world. It's a matter of distribution and a matter of waste. So what's the key? How do we change something that's been true for decades? I think you start with our scripture that was shared today. Imagine your brother or sister. The writer of James helps us to try to envision a scenario where a couple of people come into a room. If you read the whole second chapter of James and it talks about someone who comes in with rings on their fingers. I don't know if you know this, but the Jewish people had a fixation with gold rings. They wore them on several fingers. Matter of fact, they had gold ring rental centers. So if you even wanted to appear to look rich. So imagine that person and how we would typically treat them. We treat them with special privilege. And then the poor person with tattered clothes, we say, go find a place over in the corner of the room or sit on the floor. And let me tell you, in those days where you sat at the table in a home at a meal was a big deal to Jewish people. So the first step is imagining that that person who sat over in the corner, that person we're telling to sit on the floor is a brother or sister in Christ. On this World Communion Sunday, it's a day for us to see all people through the eyes of Christ and give them dignity and give them respect. Because once we begin to see hungry people as not just an overwhelming statistic, but as a real human being, it changes things, doesn't it? They become real people to us. And once we make that choice, then we can see all kinds of possibilities. Let me just share a few creative things that people are doing now. Let's start with this video. take that well-prepared food, uh, combine it with other food, and make individual frozen meals out of it. We were wasting a lot of food. There wasn't anything to do with the food, and uh, so they came to the schools three times a week and rescued our food. So they're going back to cultivate, processing the food, and it's coming right back to our students. It was heartbreaking to hear that children go home on the weekends and they don't have anything to eat. I became aware of that ministry as they had a table at our Bread for the World event that we hosted here in August. And I don't know if there's something like that taking place in Hamilton County, but it seems like there should be. Maybe one of you could help get that going. Another thing we can do, 
food drives are wonderful. These will all go to the Come to Me Food Pantry and Fishers. You may not be aware that 40% of their clients at the Come to Me Food Pantry come from Noblesville. So this food is helping people in our community as well as the surrounding communities. But you know, you can take another step. And if you're not one that likes shopping and bringing in bags, go to the Leaner's Food Bank. They've got this neat concept called the virtual food drive because they point out that while you can go to the store and donate a can of vegetables, say, for $1.49, for that same price, they, because of their bulk purchasing power, can get four cans of vegetables. And so your donation is quadrupled by just simply going online and choosing to make a donation to the leaners that helps people all over central Indiana. Some of you are involved with Mission Guatemala, and you've seen firsthand the feeding programs that make sure that children's that normally would have their growth stunted, make sure they have the nutrition so they can learn because in developing countries, education is everything. Or we can talk about the Bread for the World, which helps make sure it's an advocacy team. Join, become a member of that, and you'll get notifications. You can send emails to your representatives to help ensure that that 80%, 83% of meals that are provided by the government, by the USDA, and Central Indiana continues and make sure that's not threatened. Or you can go to our website and find the graphic that has the link to the crop walk that many of us will be walking on, and you can make a donation. You can even sponsor a specific person if you want that's walking today. I know Aaron set a goal of 100 walkers and or donors, and I counted this morning, and there was 99. So we need one of you to get that 100, okay? The crop walk helps in wondrous ways. And, and then I came across something this week on Facebook. One of our members had posted this picture that they came across. This is a picture of a restaurant. It happens to be a Mexican restaurant, I believe. And what they've done is invite their patrons to donate a meal and put that up there so that if somebody who's homeless or cannot afford a meal, they can take it and pay for the meal to make sure they have something to eat that day. What a great idea. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see some of our restaurants in this area doing such a thing? All that is possible in so many other ways. What we have to decide is that our brothers and sisters, we have to imagine them as God's people and see them not as a statistic. Today is World Communion Sunday. It begins with the unity created by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ our Lord, but it is completed. The spirit of World Communion Sunday is completed when we reach out and see and imagine every person as our brother and sister. May God give us that heart today. Amen.